last installment of uh, Pride versus Humility. And um, church, as I was saying Sunday morning, how important it is that we learn how to get the blood out of the basin, equally how important it is that we learn to obey God when it comes to pride because he wants to bless us. It's not, it's not so that we can cower down and, come, and have to live a, a mopey, um, weak life. It's to live a life of blessing under God's blessing and control. Matthew 23, 12 says, For whomever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. It's a law. It's a kingdom law. And this is repeated twice more in the New Testament, and each time coming from us, from Jesus, from his lips, he said it, uh, that should mean something to you. If you're a follower of Christ, when he speaks, we should listen. So, um, we've seen over the last few weeks how this principle applies in our personal relationship to God. Self-humbling is an essential requirement to come to God initially. To make that first step into salvation, you have to humble yourself. It's a humbling thing. The Bible says, humble yourself, humble yourself. In In other words, it is something that we must do. We make that choice. We have a decision to make. God does not make us do it. God does not make us do anything. He lets us go left or right. But he gives us clear instruction of which one's the right way. But the silly thing is, if God says go right, so many times we go left. Knowing right is the right way. It's dumb. But this means that this originates in the will. It, it, humbling yourself originates in your will and is appropriated by action. Have you ever told your kids to clean your room and they say, okay, I'll do it, but then they don't? They've got a great attitude, okay, yes, sir, I will. But they don't. It wasn't appropriated in action. You tonight would say, yes, I would agree, pride. Needs to, needs to go down. I need to humble myself. That's what I need to do. You're right. But then when the, when the moment approaches, we're doing something else. Are you all with me? Okay, thanks. All right, one step further. How does it apply? It, it applies also to our relationship with fe- fellow believers. Our attitude toward God is, re- is, uh, is revealed in our attitude toward each other. Did y'all hear that? Our attitude toward God is revealed in our relationships with one another. That's where 99.9% of my interaction comes from is with you probably not quite that I do have interaction with God just me and him but a lot of my time is with you is with people and it shows my heart it shows what's really am I really a Christ follower by the way that I relate and have relationship with you especially in humility but it must be not just expressed toward God but toward men and we so deceive ourselves thinking that we've got a good relationship with God, but it doesn't apply to our relationship with each other. The truth of the matter is is that if we really have the right attitude toward God, it will be demonstrated with each other. But if a wrong attitude shows up between us, then we've got to be able to apply the fact that there may be something wrong with our relationship with God. 
It's Coldplay. Can y'all hear that? <laughs> Sorry. I don't know if you knew that, whoever's phone that was, but that, that's a pretty killer song. <laughs> uh, last time we started looking at, at the first of two examples, if you remember from Abraham and Lot, that Abraham was told to leave his family, to leave where he was and to go, and, and he and Lot went. Abraham had the right to it all, but they couldn't, their, their, their clans couldn't get along, and Abraham said, we've got to be able to get along. Everything's always trying to separate families, so let's deal with our issues. Lot, you pick the, which way you want to go. If you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. And Lot, in his mind, picked the best one. Abraham gave it up and took the other. And in him humbling himself before God and before Lot, God gave him all of it. He then said to Abraham, Abraham, look all the way around you. All of this is yours. This is all yours. And it, but it wasn't until Abraham had humbled himself. Now tonight as we end, let's look at the second, second example, which is Jacob. I want to show you how Jacob could not get back his inheritance until he humbled himself, not just before the Lord, but before his brother Esau. Uh, if you remember, Jacob got Esau's birthright by kind of a scam. He kind of uh, inappropriately got it from him for a, for a bowl of soup. Esau came in hungry. Jacob's sitting there with food. And Esau said, I want your food. And Jacob said, give me your birthright. And Esau did it. Now, there's something really deep with the relationship with Esau and his hatred for his birthright or his, not hatred, maybe not per se, but it says that he hated it, but his, he didn't care about it. And God despised it. He did not like that about Esau. But Esau came in and said, what good is my birthright if I die of hunger? Okay, I'll give it to you. So Jacob kind of got it by the shady trick. And then Jacob went another step and deceived his father in order to get the blessing, the firstborn blessing from his father. Do you remember? He said, uh, uh, um, Isaac... Isaac's his father, right? Am I getting that messed up? Isaac uh, was ready to bless his kids, said go, told Esau to go out and kill, kill an animal and to prepare it like he liked it. Well, Isaac's wife told Jacob, said, hey, I'm going to go kill this other animal. We're going to make it like he likes it. Jacob said, well, wait a minute. My dad's going to know because Esau's hairy. And he smells like cattle. He smells like animals. Well, that's okay. We'll, we'll stink you up and hair you up. She does. And, and Isaac can tell something's up, but he feels him, but he can't see. He smells and smells right, feels right, doesn't sound right, but okay, and blesses him. And Jacob steals that blessing. And as the result of these two underhanded and cruel actions, I don't know if you've ever caught this, but he was forced to leave. He had to run from home with nothing. Run from what had just been promised to him, his inheritance, and had to run as a, as a fugitive with nothing but a staff in his hand. And the next 20 years he spent in exile, working as a servant for his uncle Laban. But in his exile, God blessed Jacob, giving him a family and possessions. 
And at a given point, the Lord spoke to Jacob and said, now it's time to go back to the land I promised you. So he gathers his wives, his children, and his flock, and he turns west and he starts going back. And when he reaches the border, he's getting kind of close. He goes to sleep. And he gets, in a, he gets in a wrestling match with an angel. Can you imagine wrestling an angel? And what's so incredible about this story is Jacob's actually winning the wrestling match. I mean, it's, it's hard to believe that here's Jacob wrestling. I mean, it's WWF right there, on the, right there by the sheep. I would say they're... And probably every now and then they're freezing up and I don't know if you've ever seen those, those sheep that lock up and then just fall over. Uh, there's a name for them, but I forget. Uh, but can you imagine, you know, this wrestling match is going on. So much so, the angel can't get away. So the angel touches his hip and knocks his hip out of joint. Why didn't he do that at the beginning? You know, if I had that ability, if you want to wrestle me, I'd just, Done. Go away. But no, they wrestled all night. Stuck his finger out, knocked him out of joint, making Jacob helpless. And as a result, Jacob found himself clinging to that angel and begging for a blessing that the angel gave to him. But from that point, Jacob walked with a limp. And I want to ask you, what does that limp mean? Have you ever thought about it? I believe that it is the end of our strength and the beginning of God's strength. That Jacob came to the end of his strength and the beginning of God's strength. And, our, and, and the end of our own strength and our own confidence. It's our acknowledgement that we cannot progress unless we depend on God. So after this encounter with the angel, Jacob still had to meet his brother Esau, who was just on the other side. Now Esau had already heard he was coming, so he gathered all the troops and headed out there after him, headed out there to him with 400 armored men. So you can imagine Jacob was terrified. I upset my brother terribly, had to flee. He's been building up with this anger for years and is now ready to have a duel out here on the farm. And he thought it was the end of himself and all his family. Let's look at Genesis chapter 33, verse 1. Jacob looked up and there was Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants. He put the maidservants and the children in the front. Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph in the rear. He himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Do you see this picture? Jacob went straight to Esau and humbled himself before him, bowed down before him. Seven times. The man, Jacob, who, who now belongs to the birthright, the blessing, the whole inheritance. He was the one who wrestled with the angel and encountered the Lord. He was the man that God chose. 
Coming to meet him, on the other hand, was Esau, a carnal man who despised the blessing, a man who God could not accept because of his wrong attitude towards spiritual matters. Yet when they met, Jacob, the spiritual man, bowed himself to his brother, to his offended brother. And what does the number seven signify? It signifies the Holy Spirit. It speaks of humility worked by the Holy Spirit. Jacob had learned this lesson that he had discovered that pride would get him nowhere. But he had humbled himself before the angel, but that was not enough. He humbled himself before the angel, but he had to humble himself before man. At that point, his inheritance was made available to him. His self-humbling brought reconciliation with his brother and opened the way for him to enter safely into the inheritance that God had promised. Church, as I close, I want, you to, I want, I want us to catch this statement. We see that through God, we see that though God promised the inheritance, Jacob could not receive it until he humbled himself before God and his brother. I believe this applies directly to what I'm preaching on on Sunday morning. That Jesus has made every provision, but we must access it. We must apply it. God says, I will exalt you, but you have to humble yourself. Before God, before me, me, God, and before men. Not just before men of authority, men and women of authority of your life. Before all men. That doesn't mean we allow others to control us, manipulate us, hurt us. But we humble ourselves as though you are the most important person in the room. Not you, the other person. In my life, you. In your life, everyone around is the most important. You're the most important. How can I serve you? How can I help you? Um... I want to go back to Steve, someone who was in great need, spent his time at this church serving us. I don't know if you can see it that way, but him giving his whole heart to his guitar was him serving God and you. Giving, him, giving everything he had, what little he had, he gave. And he didn't have anything. But what little he have had, he gave and didn't ask for anything in return. I think I gave him a couple sets of guitar strings when he was out of work. He didn't ask for anything. What step should we take? I want to ask you, is there a step that the Lord is showing you to, have, to respond to, out of response to what we just read? Maybe like Abraham, he's directing you to respond with humility in order to receive a greater part of inheritance. Or maybe like Jacob, there's a matter of reconciliation with someone that you need to make a humbling move. You need to make it. You've got a broken relationship and you need to be the bigger person to humble yourself. Not God, help them to humble themselves and come make this right. No, I'm going to go. But God, I didn't do anything wrong. It never talks at all about who's right and wrong here. 
It doesn't talk about that. I'm not saying to go put yourself in a position to get hurt. But is there, is there a way to mend a relationship by you humbling yourself? And I would tell you, yes, because God will go with you. The moment you humble yourself before someone else, the Holy Spirit gets out in front of you. Softens that heart, moves mountains, melts mountains. Humility is, I believe, one of the most powerful forces in the earth. I can just tell you from my perspective, someone that comes to me humbly has my full attention. Someone that comes to me in opposite hum- humbly in pride loses me. I have a hard time even, hear- even hearing. It's like something comes up. But when someone comes with humility, man, I'll, I'll run a mile. I'll run I'll, I'll, whatever you need. I, I want it, there's something in us that's like, yes, what do you need? Yes, I can, I can help you. I was telling Nona Sue, um, she said, man, I'm battling this pride thing. I said, you and everyone else, and we'll continue to battle this the rest of our life. And then I told her, I said, but the problem is I probably won't preach on it for three or four more years. It's something you got to get. And you got to dig and you got to keep doing it. You got to keep going back and eating that broccoli because it's good for you. It's going to strengthen you. Got to keep drinking those fluids and quit eating the snack cakes. That's me. I love snack cakes and ice cream. It's like the blood of Jesus. We're going to move on from it and go on to something else. But the blood of Jesus is what's going to set you free. You, you You can't forget. You can't forget it. You've got to just keep applying it. Make it a regular part of your life. If you make humility in the blood a regular part of your life, you're going to have some overcoming and some exalting in front of you. Well, I'm, I'm in. I, I would like that. So I do my part. God will do his part. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, I just ask right now.